For the next three weeks, we're going to be covering the sixth chapter of St. John's Gospel. And we do this every three years. As you know, there's a three-year cycle for the Sunday liturgies. And part of this is practical because cycle B covers the Gospel of St. Mark. And St. Mark is kind of short, so you need a little bit extra material to be able to cover the liturgical year. But there's a much deeper reason, however, and it has everything to do with what we're celebrating right now. You see, in the Gospel of John, he doesn't have a narrative of the Last Supper. He developed chapter 6 with a very, very profound and specific Eucharistic theology. You see, John was written after the synoptics. Synoptics means kind of like the same, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all kind of the same stories. But John wanted to supplement the theology and not just repeat the historical events. And chapter 6 is where we get into a very profound aspect of this. And furthermore, uh, Bishop Cotta has asked us as uh, pastors and priests that during these next three weeks as we focus on the, uh, the sixth chapter of John, to renew an understanding of the Eucharist. Because as we're coming out of COVID and trying to get back to normal somewhat, um, we've kind of forgotten the basics. And right now, we're doing pretty good. We're, we have about three-fourths of what the capacity used to be. We're not back to where we were, but we're still doing really well with a lot of people. Financially, we're doing very soundly, thanks be to God. But there's a time right now as we come back to normal to get back to the basics and to understand why the Mass is so important and to understand the mystery that we're celebrating. And when we look at the sixth chapter of John, we find in this miracle of the loaves the very structure and meaning of what we do every single Sunday. And as we dig a little deeper, as we go through the story, you're going to see all the parallels to the structure of the Mass and what we're doing and why we're doing it. The sixth chapter of John is so important for us as Catholics, I really think that we should almost have it memorized. It is the linchpin of our entire Christian life. It outlines um, our liturgy, but it also defines our belief in the real presence. Because if anybody ever says to you, challenges you about the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, what is the biblical foundation for it? John chapter 6, where Jesus says repeatedly over and over again, if you do not eat my body and drink my blood, you will not have life within you. And he doesn't just say that like once. It's like eight, ten different times where he keeps hammering the point because this is his new covenant. This is everything. And I think we really need to go deeper into this. And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to try to go deep so we can renew our Eucharistic devotion and understand this. And I would really encourage all of you, you know, especially during the summertime, as a family, read the sixth chapter of John. Read it. Try to understand it deeper. Because this is so, so important. And to highlight these, these, uh, the structure that's within this for the Mass, I'm going to lean on Bishop Robert Barron, one of my heroes, 
Uh, he really develops this well. So I'm, I'm abandoning my normal format. I'm not going to have three points, as I always do. I'm going to kind of go through the words of the gospel and highlight how it's always reflecting what we're doing right now and applying that to our life so that we can live this Mass with a greater intensity. So in the sixth chapter of John, you have kind of two parts, okay? You have the miracle of the loaves, and then you have the Eucharistic discourse. First is the sign, the Eucharistic, uh, the, the miracle of the loaves. The next three weeks we'll be talking about, in a deeper way, the theology. So Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs he was performing. And a large crowd was always following Jesus. There was a magnetic attraction to him. People were drawn to him. They wanted to be near him. Because they knew, they understood his love, his compassion, but also his power, his forgiveness. And this attraction to Christ, it's not stuck in the past. It continues down through history. And why are you here right now? You've been drawn to Christ. All of us have. Age after age, people are drawn to the love of Christ. Seeing his signs not only in the Old Testament and New Testament, but in our own personal lives and the history of the church. And this is the first part of the Mass. We continue to gather around Christ. The gathering of Mass continues the process of bringing these crowds, drawing near to our Lord. It's a symbol of coming together of new Israel, the new body of Christ. And where did Jesus go to effect this gathering? If you remember the gospel, he went up the mountain to teach. Now, whenever you hear that term in the Bible, that's like theologically charged. Because that's a repeating theme. In the gospel, in the in the, all the scriptures, you have Abraham with Isaac. He went up the mountain to sacrifice his son, but he was spared. You have Moses that went up Mount Sinai to get the law, the Ten Commandments. You had Elijah that went up the the mountain to get fire from heaven against the false prophets. You had Jesus that went up the mountain of Tabor in his transfiguration. You had Jesus that went up on the Sermon on the Mount. You had the Mount of Olives and most importantly, Mount Calvary. The mountain in scriptures represents the meeting of humanity and divinity. Man reaches up, and God reaches down. It's a moment of communion, of gathering. The freedom of God and man meet in the theodrama of salvation. Every single mass is a mountain of encounter, a gathering where we go to a new Mount Zion. That's why you're here right now. The first part of the Mass is gathering the chosen people together. And then it says Jesus sat down with his disciples. This is the position of a teacher in the ancient world. He sits and then the students are at his feet. Now for us it's a little bit different. We have the Ambo, I'm here at the lectern preaching to you, trying to unfold the scriptures to you. But the first part of the Mass is learning, listening to the words of scripture. 
We have the Old Testament, then we have the Psalms, and we have New Testament, and then we have the Gospel. It's this unfolding of the plan of God's providence. We gather together, and then we listen, because we're yearning for His Word. And in every Mass, Christ is speaking to you. In the Scriptures, in the homily, you know, many times people say to me after Mass, like they say, Father, it seems like your homily was direct, uh, directed completely to me. That's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the body of Christ. God is reaching you through simple instruments. Simple instruments like me. Or like the bread and the wine and become the body and blood of Christ. God works with such humble and ordinary means to reach you, to touch you, to affect you. And so right now we're in this first part of the Mass where we're listening. But that's the first half of the Mass is, is the liturgy of the Word. But then quickly we go into the liturgy of the Eucharist. It says that the Jewish feast of Passover was near. John highlights that purposely. Why? What is he trying to say? Why does he throw that into the, into the dialogue? Because the Passover was the feast of liberation from slavery of the chosen people. It was the heart of everything they celebrated. The Passover. The Passover meal was the identity of the chosen people. The lamb that they sacrificed to God was their freedom, where they were liberated from death. And when they celebrated the Passover, it wasn't that they were remembering it. They believed it was a memorial where they were actually living that very moment mystically by the power of God. They lived the very moment the Passover happened. And that is what the Mass is. You know, right now, we're not, you know, reenacting the Last Supper. We're not remembering the Last Supper. Right now, we are actually going to live the very moments of the Paschal Mysteries by means of God's divinity. We are, we are united to that moment, the very moment of His passion, death, and resurrection. That is what we celebrate. That's what a memorial means. Coming to Mass is not just like reenacting stuff. Coming to Mass is a mystical moment where we enter into these sacred mysteries. Yes, it's, it's hard to kind of get your mind around it. That's why we call it a mystery. But that's the reality of what we're doing right now. It's something incredibly profound. Every Mass is a Passover, a new Passover of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why John puts that in the, in the, in the, in the text to highlight what's happening. But then you move into the hunger. Jesus knows that the crowd is hungry. And all of the human race is hungry for life, for meaning, for the truth of Christ, for purpose, for joy. And all of us, we're in the same crowd, aren't we? Aren't we all hungry? 
And I'm not talking about dinner. I'm talking about the inside. When I look at our world today, I see so many hungry people searching, searching for what we have right here, the love and truth of Christ. And so many people in the world try to fill their hunger in all the wrong ways. Right now, in this Mass, Jesus knows that you hunger. And He wants to satisfy your hunger if you let Him. And so He looks at Philip, and He tests Philip. He says, where can we get enough food for them? What's the right answer for that? Costco? And Even if they had a Costco at that point, they wouldn't have had enough bread to um, feed like 15,000 people. Let alone how do you buy it all, how do you transport it all, how do you do all that practical stuff. No, that, that's not the, the, the idea. What was the right answer? Where do we get enough food? Nowhere. Jesus is trying to highlight the, 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 the reality. We all have 15,000 needs in our hearts. We all have so much that I can't, I can't do it. Individually, as a culture, as a church, don't you feel the pressing need of 15,000 hurts? 15,000 needs and we can't resolve it. It's too much hunger for us to solve. And that's exactly what Christ was trying to get Philip and all the apostles to understand. You don't have what it takes. And he's not saying that to rub it in. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. I know your need. And I can fix it. Andrew comes up, and he gives his meager solution. It would seem so pathetic, wouldn't it? And there's 15,000 people behind you, and you come to Jesus and say, hey, I found a kid. He's got five loaves and two fish. It almost seemed sarcastic. Here, Lord, that's all we got. And Jesus takes it and says, that's my solution. It's the same in Mass, my friends. There's a tiny amount of bread that's going to be given right now. A tiny amount of bread. But through this worthless vessel, the priest and persona Christi, Christ says, give it to me. I will make it suffice. We all have 15,000 needs. And Jesus says, I will feed you. I will give you my life to this little host. And it doesn't just happen in St. Anthony's, does it? All throughout the world, Christ is feeding millions and millions of souls. 
because he knows our needs. And once he feeds us with his truth, then he feeds us with his body and his blood. It's the two parts of the Mass. Right after that, what does the scripture say? What does it say? It says he took the bread, broke the loaves, gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples. Does that sound familiar? I say that every single Mass right before the consecration. And there's a purpose for that, because it's a Eucharistic formula. It's to remind us that Jesus is really one doing the consecration. It's not me. He's working through me as an instrument. Christ is the one. That's what we celebrate in this Mass. It's something so staggering. We can't get used to this. We can't fall into routine. You're coming right now into God's house, and He's going to feed your deepest need. You have to open your heart to that. You can't grow accustomed to it. Because if you do, he will fill your heart. And with his five loaves and two fish, everyone had their fill. Now, yes, right now, this was symbolic. He fed their physical hunger. But it was a symbol that humanity finally would be satisfied with the Passover of Christ. The substantial presence of Jesus can give our hearts peace to fill it. And all we have to do is bring our meager gift. Jesus, I'm, I'm five loaves, two fish. That's me. And Jesus says, it's enough. Come to me. How great is our God? What you have is enough for him. And Jesus, when he does a miracle, it's, it's never little. There's always a superabundance. He says, gather the fragments together so none is wasted. And we never let the fragments go to waste. We gather the fragments of the Eucharist. We bring it to the sick. We store it in the tabernacle where he resides here. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. And how many wicker baskets were filled after that miracle? Twelve. Why twelve? It was a symbol of the twelve tribes of Israel. That was the mission of the Messiah, to gather the tribes again in the new kingdom. And Jesus is gathering them through his Eucharist, through his body and his blood, to gather the world, to gather the sheep into his body to be taught and fed by Jesus, to become his new nation. In every Mass, we become the new gathered. And as we leave the Mass, it's our mission to bring more sheep into this fold. So you see, my friends, John chapter 6 is the very structure we celebrate right now. Is the Mass in the Bible? Absolutely. We just read it. Let us live this reality with faith and passion. We gather now, drawn to Jesus by our hunger. He teaches us his truth and love, and then feeds us with his body and blood to satisfy our deepest longing for meaning and joy. Let us draw to the altar today with great awe, bringing our meager five loaves and two fish, 
so that God can transform our little offering into the miracle of His mercy.